You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. So, um, kind of a crazy, crazy day yesterday, whatever. Um, thank you for those that tuned into the stream. Um, if you were watching the stream, you probably know that shortly after the Packers pick, uh, everything just went dark. Literally, that's exactly what happened here. There's just a power outage here in, in Madison and Verona and whatnot. There was a, just a, I don't know, just a freak thing. There's no storms or anything, just a, uh, you know, transformer or whatever went out. And um, even my internet was not working super well, so I couldn't even really, I think I got one tweet out saying what happened. I couldn't get on Facebook to, to update it because my phone wasn't acting right. So uh, I apologize. So, I mean, again, we, we got the Packers pick. I was just in the process of about to start talking about the guy and um, everything went out. So anyway, it's going to be a kind of a short episode today. Um, when the power came back on, for some reason, my phone didn't start charging, so I didn't really have an alarm. And I've got my son's football, my daughter's soccer, um, today at 9, and it's already 7. So um, I'm going to do a rapid fire, so no complaining about um, the Aaron Rodgers thing, which is going to be a major feature of today because I'm so sick of every all the narrative from the media, but uh, I don't have time. And um, so you're, you're, you're lucking out of this one. But I want to do a quick hits thing through our newest two Green Bay Packers. And I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited. I, see, and that's the other thing. I didn't get a chance to see Twitter. I was doing the live stream. Everybody on the live stream was really excited about these players. And I, I, I peeked at Twitter, and it's just everybody was angry. I shouldn't say everybody was angry. Everybody seemed angry at Packers Twitter. I saw like three people. I got one direct message saying, like, dude, I can't handle these people. They're insufferable. So I don't know exactly where Packers fandom is right now because my perception was everybody was excited. So I'm literally just opening Twitter now. I'm not sure exactly what I'm walking into. Oh, and it just dawned on me my entire um, my entire draft thing is going to be gone. i got to talk to that guy, see if he can do some kind of an updated thing. That sucks. Anyways, um, the plan is when I get back, we're going to be doing day three. I really hope you guys can follow along because day three is going to be the hardest for me because it's the... It's, it's like the least interesting. It's also the longest and most boring and most painful to sit through. And um, with the Packers trading away a fourth, that's even less interesting and less things to sit through and get excited about. So I'm hoping you guys can join in because I don't know if I can make it all the way through if it's not kind of packed in there. So please consider that. Um, otherwise, let's, uh, let's take a look-see at the two newest Green Bay Packers. First of all, let me again remind you, Packernet.com is a great place to get all your Packers news. It's literally just a news aggregator, so it pulls in all the news from all the different sites. So if you want to know what everybody's saying about everything, that's a great place to start. But I will start off with this. Um, lots of very excited people about Josh Myers. It completely makes sense that we got a center. Um, it kind of gives some clarity to the Packers' offensive line situation, which is kind of what we need, right? I don't know. I don't care if you take a tackle, a guard, a center, but take somebody so we kind of have an understanding of what's going on. They took a center, an Ohio State center, and um, again, it just provides us some clarity. Obviously, whenever David Bakhti- Bakhtiari comes back, 
we have D- David Bakhtiari at left tackle. We will have Elton Jenkins at left guard. We will have Josh Myers at center. We will have probably some kind of a competition at right guard between Lucas Patrick, John Runyon, maybe Simon Stepniak. I don't know. And then we'll have Billy Turner at right tackle. And and again, I think the Packers really like Billy Turner at right tackle. Not to say they won't go out and try to draft some competition. Although at this point in the, in the game, I don't think anybody beats him out. You know, we're talking fourth round, fifth round guys. You never know. I mean, Bakhtiari is obviously a fourth round guy, but I kind of think this is where it is. And I, and I think the Packers are happy because we not only have a, a, a roster right now, but we have depth. Because let's just say it's Bakhtiari, Runyon, Jenkins, or excuse me, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Patrick, and Turner. We don't have a massive amount of tackle help, but we do also have Elton Jenkins as a flex tackle, which is probably who's going to start at left tackle to begin with, which is also why maybe they are going to draft a tackle. But again, I don't expect much. But uh, we still we got Yash Nijman. But on the interior, we got uh, Ben Braden, Jake Hansen, Simon Stepniak. And as some people pointed out, there is still going to be somewhat of a competition between Jake Hansen and Josh Myers, but I'm assuming Josh wins especially since Jake was put on the practice squad, meaning he didn't really even make the cut to stick on the team. Um, I mean, I've, I've been excited about the guy um, as a potential option, but the biggest reason is because we don't really have like a true center. I mean, Elton Jenkins was kind of the true center, but he's also our guard slash tackle slash everything. Josh Myers is a center center, right? Just like Corey Lindsley was a center center. It's all he's done. It's all he's ever will do. It's all he'll ever be. There is nothing else. And it's a high-priority thing, which is great, because the offensive line is massively important, especially if, let's just say, Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back, which is starting to feel more like a reality. Two most important things if Rodgers doesn't come back. It's not too different if Rodgers is here, but it is slightly different. Number one, protect Jordan Love. He's a brand-new quarterback. He's very, um, you know, the, the, the fear that he'll be broken is very real. You know, a guy that that doesn't really have the confidence yet to know, am I an NFL quarterback? He doesn't know. Nobody knows, including Jordan Love himself. Keeping him healthy, keeping him upright so he has the opportunity to process and do all these things and build up some confidence is incredibly important. And number two, run the ball, which obviously is going to be even more important if Aaron Rodgers isn't around because we're going to go from a team that's like, I'd love to run the ball more, but we have Aaron Rodgers too. I'd love to run the ball more. Um, but, uh, but nothing's stopping me because my biggest weapons on this team are my running backs and my offensive lines outside of Devontae Adams. So, uh, so yeah, we're going to run the ball a lot. I will say right out of the gate, uh, PFF is not the biggest fan of Ohio State. I think, not the biggest fan of Ohio State, I'm such a dummy, not the biggest fan of Josh Myers. He didn't grade out all that well. Um, there were several guys still available that had higher grades than Josh Myers. Um, not that he was necessarily bad. But 2019 was his best year, 72 overall grades, 72.5 pass blocking, 71.5 run blocking. Went backwards in 2020 with a 65 overall grade, 65.9 pass blocking, 63.9 run blocking. Um, And if you look at it statistically is where it gets a little iffy because it was a very condensed year. Uh, They didn't start until week eight, but still he gave up two sacks, one hit, and eight hurries for 11 total pressures, which is pretty brutal. Um... However, if you look at the true pass sets, which again are always kind of hard to decipher what exactly that means, but again, we're just talking about normal situations. Nothing crazy like the quarterback fumbled or a bad snap, which would be Josh Myers' fault, by the way, and um, it ends up being a sack. But if you look at true pass sets, his 11 total pressures dropped to five, one sack, one hit, three hurries. But still, 65.9 overall pass blocking. If you look at run blocking, obviously a very good fit. Um, He was a they were very zone heavy at Ohio State. 
He's zone blocked 78.2% of the time, 16.5% was gap blocking. Anyways, as I was saying, as far as Josh Myers, overall, consensus big board, meaning everybody's thoughts on Josh Myers, 72 overall. So not a massive reach for the Packers whatsoever. However, PFF in particular was quite low on him. They had him at 149 overall, so they thought it was a reach. But, But again, as I said on the stream, that means... Generally speaking, most people were significantly higher than PFF on Josh Myers and, and liked him quite a bit, and the Packers are, are in agreement with those other people. But let's go through what PFF had to say. We'll look at a few other people as well because I want to get more of a positive thing. But biggest strength, they said, is his mentality. Biggest weakness is playing out over his toes. So there you go. Myers has a two-year starter for the Buckeyes who took all 1,539 of his snaps in the college career at center. As I said on the stream, however, at six foot five, three hundred and twelve pounds, uh, the pounder could not likely kick out to guard. Jeez, this is brain isn't quite up yet. The six foot five, whatever, could likely kick out to guard with little issue, which is an interesting dynamic. I, I don't know how easy that move is, but it would be nice if he could. What is an issue is the lack of improvement we saw on tape this season. Myers can deliver a crushing blow on contact, but he all too often goes from the home run, so to speak that led to far too many whiffs on his tape, and it's a big reason why he allowed six sacks and 27 total pressures over the past two seasons. That would give me pause from an interior lineman. So it sounds like what they're saying is that he's trying to just smash people and is a little too aggressive, and sometimes he just kind of rather than... And, and, and I would, again, kind of, a, kind of speaking out of turn here, but I'm thinking especially in zone, you kind of want to hang back a little bit more because there's, there's a whole kind of just passing people off and you got to stay in your area and if there's stunts and twists and all that stuff you don't want to commit to one guy lock into him like a heat-seeking missile and try to blast him in the neck Um, by the way the specific grades his gap grade was a 68 which is extremely low for a it's like zero percentile apparently most offensive linemen are good at that and he's not zone grade is actually lower at 62 but it's closer to the 50th percentile Anyways, um, bottom line on him from PFF, Myers' consistent issue and pass protection are too worrisome to ignore in favor of his high-end athleticism, which, by the way, is a massive, massive reason why, and we'll get to that. Um, Actually, we could probably just get to it now because he didn't do a pro day. It's a massive reason why the Packers took him. Let me do the pros and cons, and then we'll talk about that so we can get excited, and then we got to quickly move on because it's already almost 730. Pros, wants to go for the kill shot, can pancake a linebacker on contact. Does that remind you of Corey Lindley or what? If nothing else, you got some nostalgia. Explosive offline of scrimmage, can get movement on uh, one-on-one, has the size and agility to even play guard in the NFL, and can get to the second level in a hurry. Quicks aren't a problem. That must be a term that I'm unfamiliar with. I apologize. I suck at my job. The cons, a little tight. Rarely see him able to flip his hips and ride guys past the quarterback when he loses. Which, I mean, to be honest, it's, I mean, come on. I don't know. A center that needs to flip his hips? I don't know. Bent out over toes consistently leads to balance issues. When he loses, it's oftentimes on contact. Gave up six sacks past two seasons. And then hands are average. Rare to see him engage cleanly and lock in on the move. Also got to remember that we do have some very good coaches. Not everywhere. I've never been impressed with their linebacker coaches, the ability, because when, I'm, when I talk about good coaches, it's not just a matter of, well, we have good players there, therefore we have good coaches. Maybe we just draft better there. But what you're talking about is the ability to see massive improvement. I've never really seen improvement at linebacker. We've seen some massive improvement at defensive line. What the Packers have done consistently at offensive line is incredibly impressive. 
Um, I, I love what's happened at Edge, although last year everybody took a step back. We saw in 2020, uh, 2019, everybody was massively impressive. And then, of course, uh, Joe Barry with, or not Joe Barry, that's their defensive coordinator, uh, Gray with uh, Amos and Savage and Jair and the unbelievable leaps that they took in 2020. Um, some good coaches there as well. I know that's kind of a lame trope, but I genu- genuinely like several of the coaches we have. Again, linebacker, get a good one. Otherwise, I don't think they're going to get much better because uh, it just is what it is. And I, I, You know, you can say, well, what about Kamal? Kamal came in and just was great out of the gate. And and I don't see elevation from anybody else. Granted, it's hard to know because we haven't really gotten any top-tier talent. So maybe there's just nothing to coach with the guys that we have. I don't know, but whatever. Kind of beside the point here. I want to look at PFF really quickly because they had him at 75th, which is indicative of sort of generally where he was expected to be. Obviously, some people are higher, but they see him about on average where everybody else saw him. So let's take a look at what um, what their general thoughts were. Josh Myers projects as a starting center at the NFL level, but his fit is going to be dependent on the key responsibilities his offense requires him to execute, which is an important thing because that that's sort of the general thought that I got. He's a very scheme-specific guy, and obviously the Packers see him as a great scheme fit. And and again, getting back to the athleticism part, Corey Lindsley was an unbelievably talented guard. When it came to pushing the guy out of the way that's in front of him, when it came to keeping guys who are attacking his quarterback away from his quarterback, there wasn't a center in the NFL that was any better. The one key thing that was lacking, and this is what a lot of NFL teams need, especially the way the NFL is going with extremely fast linebackers, is somebody with the ability to have the speed to get up to the next level and cut those linebackers off. We got annihilated by teams like Tampa Bay because those linebackers would tee off and just destroy our running backs to the outside. And so we had no no choice but to try to run up the middle. It was the only way that we could, but Tampa Bay had an unbelievably talented defensive line. So we need athletic centers. We have to get an athletic center that has the speed to get up to the next level and cut those guys off so the guys, the running backs, can get to the outside And, um, you know, we have a numbers advantage. Otherwise, you have a center who's running to the next level and has nobody to block, and that gives the defense a numbers advantage. Goes on to say Myers is a big-body center with a pleasant level of lateral mobility to play along the line of scrimmage, but he lacks a dynamic short area quickness to consistently win isolated reps, climbing to the second level or pulling in the work, uh, whatever. They don't think he can do it, but he's athletic, so I think he can do it. And even even the draft network isn't saying it's a lack of athleticism, as I read on here. Um, it's more or less that he's kind of clumsy, I guess. They, they don't see him doing a great job getting up in space at the next level. But, um, they've got their player comp with Tyler Biotish, the, um, the Wisconsin Badger, who went to the Dallas Cowboys last year. Kyle Krabs was actually the highest on him, had an almost an 80 grade out of 100. But even the lowest, Dre Harris, had a 77 out of 100. I'm not going to go through every single thing because there's a ton to read here. Um, but again, I think, I think that's what it is. It's a massively important position, center. And what we're essentially looking for is Corey Lindsley, but more athletic. And I think that's what you're kind of getting with Josh Myers. I don't think he's quite as physical, quite as strong as Corey Lindsley. But you got a, a, a Ohio State offense. You get a Big Ten offensive lineman. And I haven't been super kind to the Big Ten in my comments because I just I generally think it's boring. But when you talk about smash mouth, offensive line, just big, massive, violent human beings, Big Ten is a great place to look. And you add in a, a level of athleticism to that, again, it's it's kind of just, I don't want to say upgrading Corey Lindsley because I have no expectation of him being as good as Corey Lindsley. Corey Lindsley was a number one center in football, but upgrading insofar as as fit, sort of uh, modernize Corey Lindsley. Let's put it that way. 
we're modernizing Corey Lindsley in which you get a, a big, strong, Big Ten offensive lineman with a little bit more athleticism to kind of fit today's game, fit Lafleur's scheme a little bit with the outside zone and getting up to the next level. I think that's what it is. And if we trust that, um, you know, he we did a great job finding Elton Jenkins in the second round, if Josh Myers could even be, you know, about that good, I think we're in good shape. So I'm happy with it. And obviously center is a position that generally teams want to wait on. The fact that the Packers were urgent in doing so is, uh, is kind of cool. Um, I mean, it just shows because, again, it's generally not seen as that important of a position, although Matt LaFleur really cares about offensive line. The fact that they—and they, it's, it's kind of weird that I like when they take guys when there's other guys available because we can look at the guys that were available. You know, um, Quinn Miners was available when we took Josh Myers, who was rated lower according to the consensus boards and all that stuff. They didn't take Quinn. Makes me a little bit sad, but, you know, they didn't. Wyatt Davis, the guard, was available at a fantastic value. I think Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma was available. Not positive, but I believe he was. They want Josh Myers. And again, that's what screams to me perfect scheme fit. Matt LaFleur and everybody are looking at this saying, we need a guy that does X, Y, and Z. They see Josh Myers and they say, this guy checks X, he checks Y, and he checks Z. But anyways, we have to very quickly take a break here so we can move on to Amari Rogers. Uh, I want to say thank you very, very, very much to... I think I said thank you to Lucas Garo already. Thank you to Quentin for upping your pledge. That's uh, awesome. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you to Steve Waltering for jumping in on Patreon, as well as Murray Ross for, for jumping in on the Patreons. Where are we at now? we got to be getting close to our goal here. Six more patrons. And again, I'm, I'm going to up the goal to before, let's say, uh, before June 7th. Looking for six more patrons before June 7th, which is our closing date on the house really hoping we can get there and, and I'm just I, I really am blown away with all the support I've done two live streams and the amount of, of of people that are giving directly in those live streams is is incredible a special shout out to Mike who pretty much every time I go live he's throwing me five bucks for tacos uh, yesterday he gave me two tacos he said ten bucks um, it's just it's just a constant outpouring of support and it, it really is overwhelming I'm, I mean I'm just I'm just here talking football and having fun and I know that I don't know as much as a lot of other guys and you know, you got guys like Coach Hahn that understand football dynamic better than I do. You got guys that can break down film better than I can. You got guys that study the draft more than I do. Probably got a lot of people on here that are smarter than I am, but I like to be the guy that is more passionate than anybody else, and um, I'm hoping that counts for something. And, and again, I just, it, it always is one of those things where I ask you to please support the podcast, but whenever somebody does, I genuinely feel kind of guilty because it's like, man, why'd you do that? Thank you, but I don't get it. But it really just, it kind of, Kind of just, I don't know, I don't want to get sappy on you, but it's kind of, it's very nice. It, it really does mean a lot to me. And it's beyond encouraging for me to keep doing what I'm doing and, and feel like I kind of have some idea what I'm doing. And I'm just, I'm excited. I'm excited to do this forever. I'm excited to do this. I mean, when the, when the, when, when you know I'm dead, when the podcast just ends one day, that's, that's what I want. It's a little morbid, but, but that's, that's like, I haven't heard the podcast in like five days. Haven't seen a tweet. Guess he's dead. Because you know he's never going to retire. You know he's never going to stop. I'm so excited. And that's the other thing, like with this whole Aaron Rodgers thing, it feels like it's the end of the world. If I do this podcast until I'm, let's say, 80, and it's to the point where it's like he's got to hang it up. He's so old and stupid, and he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't remember anything. How many quarterbacks are we going to go through? How many great years? How many terrible years? How many Super Bowls? How many highs and lows are we going to go through? It's just a blip, man. This, this is just a blip. We'll be all right. It's Packers all day, every day. 
Rodgers, you know, Aaron Rodgers has come and the Aaron Rodgers is go, but we're going to be here. We got another 50 years just loving on the Packers, and I'm all right with that. Anyways, too much rambling. Take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Also, I, I always forget the Venmo folks, and I don't know who I've left out of here, but thank you to Ryan Fitz as well as Cole Johnson. And let's just throw in Eric Spiegel on this list as well for jumping in on Venmo. Really appreciate that. I'd love to uh, throw out some names to everybody that donated on the stream. I don't even know how to find all that information because some of it is on Facebook. Some of it is on, uh, I think it's mostly on YouTube. Let me actually take two minutes to try to find it. All right, I found it. You ready? Starting from yesterday, thank you to Mike Curtis, Mike again, Brambo, John uh, True Brustive, Brendan Brambo again, Sam, Jeremy Retz, Brendan Daltax, Quentin Yu, Brandon Daltax, Brambo, and Mike once again. Thank you all very much for your support on the live stream. Moving on to probably the more exciting of the, of the picks. Somebody that I think the most exciting thing is I highlighted him a while ago because he said flat out, I want to be a Green Bay Packer. He said it would be a dream to get picked in the back of the second round. He didn't even say, like, I want to be a first-round pick. He said, I would love if the Packers took me at the back of the second round. This is a guy who could have said, I want to go, you know, I want to get picked by the Jaguars in the first round with the first pick. He just said, and granted, I think he was excited about playing with Aaron Rodgers, which may not be the situation. We'll see how that goes. I hate to keep bringing that up, but it's a thing. But, yeah, he flat-out said, I want to be a Packer, and I think that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. But five foot ten, two hundred and ten pounds. No, he can't block. But it's kind of cool that they. I mean, they traded up for him. So this is a situation where they're looking at guys saying, "We've got a second round prospect still on the board, right?" And I'm taking some liberty saying second round, but clearly there's there's a tier that of guys that are falling, and it's getting a little bit thin. So we got to move up. So they're looking at this guy going to him. We would have taken Amari in the second round. For all we know, Amari was like three three guys, two guys below. Josh Myers, and he fell all the way, and they're like, we got to go now. But it's kind of cool because he, he's not this big. Um, we were kind of wondering, are they ever even going to look for a 5'10", you know, kind of shifty slot receiver, or they're just stuck in their ways? Um, and here they go with Amari Rodgers. Amari hasn't just been this super dynamic guy for, for four straight years like some of the other guys that I, I kind of like, but he did have a kind of a breakout year in 2020, which is cool. So his grades since 2017. So first of all, big program. Been there four years, which is cool, so he's, he's trained up quite well. But even so, he's still only 21 years old, which is very awesome. So uh, his grades, 62, 70, 62, and then 79. So breaking just about 80. In fact, his receiving grades went from 61, 68, 61 to 80. So he had a real breakout year. Granted, some of that has to do with his Georgia Tech game with a 90 overall grade, but um, still 
generally speaking, he's high 60s, low 70s as a receiver throughout. Dynamic player, five foot ten, uh, two hundred and ten pounds, so kind of a bigger, bigger build for a, a smaller slot guy. But he did crack a thousand yards, which is cool. Thirteen point two yards per reception, which is a relatively high number for a guy that you generally see as a slot receiver. Seven touchdowns on the season. That jumped from four the last two seasons. Um, he was eighty six percent of the time in the slot. Thirteen point two out wide. He actually, and this is also interesting. His first two years, only thirteen percent in the slot. 2019, they moved him to the slot, and uh, 2020 is kind of when he broke out. So if I'm going to take some liberties here, I'll say he just got moved to the slot in 2019. It was his year to learn the slot. 2020, he kind of got it figured out, and bing, bang, boom. He's got real good hands. He's always graded out quite well with his his uh, drop grade. He did have six drops on the season, but still graded out 73.7 overall on his drop grade, so apparently it wasn't that bad. He had a couple bad games, but overall not too terrible. Uh, let's see, 8 yards after the catch per reception, 2.61 yards per route run, 7.6 yards is his average depth of target. Longest reception on this season is 83 yards. He does have quite a bit, uh, the year prior was 87, so he's not um, he's not shy, or what, what is the word I'm looking for? He's not afraid of, of, of deep targets, I guess. I don't know what I'm looking for. Um, his uh, drop percentage is 7.2% of his, of his targets are, are dropped. Contested catch, definitely not his thing. 14.2%. It's a little bit low this year, but only one of seven. So his thing is just getting away from people, which I'm fine with, right? There's some guys that aren't maybe the greatest route runners in the world, but if you throw it up to them, they're okay. I generally hate that. And I think the draft community as a whole has kind of come around to the idea. I got to turn this down again. I can hear it kind of pop a lopping. Um, kind of come around to the idea that if you're going to be a good receiver, you got to be able to separate. That just has to be a thing that you can do. And I think that's what Amari Rodgers does. He's not going to do great on 50-50 balls, but he does a very good job of just getting away from people. Um, Again, one of seven. Last year was one of two, which is technically 50%, which is fine. The year prior, three of eight. And then he was actually two of two in 2017. But, you know, seven of 19 overall for a career of of 36.8. Missed tackles forced, 17. So, uh, let's see. It's a little over one a game. He played 12 games at Clemson. 42 first downs. He, he was just kind of a first down monster, which is awesome. We, we could absolutely use. I would just, I love to get it. I feel like we've all wanted that Randall Cobb guy back. All right, we got a bunch of guys that do a really good job, like getting those one or two really big plays. What about that guy that just eats up like seven receptions a game? You know, just a quick slant, just a quick seven yards, just to get us into a nice second and three, or just convert, converts that second and five with, with just a real quick route. I love that stuff, man. And again, yards after the catch per reception is eight. I, I want to kind of hang on that for a while. Think about that. When he catches the ball, on average, he's going to get eight more yards. That's stupid. That's so dumb. He's almost getting a first down per reception after the catch. If we look at his depth, I mean, he grades out almost elite in every category. Um, he's one of the only ones I've ever seen who has an elite grade behind the line of scrimmage. Remember, generally the grades get better as you go up because, you know, it's loosely based on statistics, so when you're getting 20-yard receptions per 20-yard target, you know, it's going to be better grades. But behind the line of scrimmage, it's hard to grade very well. I, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone with an elite behind-the-scrimmage grade. He has a 90 overall grade on passes behind the line of scrimmage, and 34% of his passes came behind the line of scrimmage. 34.3% were also uh, t- 9 yards or less. So we're talking 70% of his receptions come nine yards or less, which again, just gets me excited. We've got the guys that can go a little, you know, Devante, who's going to kind of kill the deep part of the field as well as get some deep route. 
And of course, you got MVS, who's only a deep guy. You got Lazard, who can kind of take the middle and deep and all that stuff. And again, kind of just one reception type guys. This is a monster. Just feed him the ball over and over and over and let him do work. 70% of his receptions come in nine yards or less. Behind the line of scrimmage, 34 targets, 32 receptions, 249 yards, 7.8 yards per reception. 7.8 yards per reception, and he's starting with negative yardage by the, times he, by the time he catches it because it's behind the line of scrimmage. He also has a touchdown on those. On passes 0 to 9 yards, 34 targets, 26 receptions, 266 yards, 10.2 yards per reception, one touchdown. On passes between 10 and 19 yards, about 20% of his targets, um, he was 13 of 19 for 232 yards, 17.8 yards per reception, no touchdowns. But then on deep routes, which is only 12%, it's not as much, but check this out. 6 of 12, 50%, those are always lower, the percentage, 273 yards, five touchdowns. So about half the time that he gets targeted on deep passes, he's catching touchdowns. Almost 100% of the time he catches a pass, it's a touchdown. So when he breaks loose down the field, he breaks loose down the field. That is the one area where he has some drop issues. He had, uh, let's see, two drops with, again, only 12 targets. So if we're talking about catchable passes, what we're talking about is eight, because he caught six and dropped two. So there's eight catchable passes um, out of 12, and he dropped two of the eight catchable passes for a drop percentage of 25%. It's exciting. I mean, I'm excited about it. It's, it's a guy that just feasts on the interior, or, or excuse me, on the, the short routes and all that kind of stuff. He does great work yards after the catch. Fast, slippery, dynamic guy, but he's also got the speed to just cook down the field and just catch a big pass once in a while, just because he can. And again, his grades behind the line of scrimmage, 90.9. Short passes, 89.1. Medium passes, 93.8 receiving grade. Deep passes, 95.5 receiving grade. What is not to like about the guy? Not much here as far as special teams, kick and punt return. Um, he does have a decent punt return grade if things aren't going super great as a receiver. Maybe they want to put him out there for the fun of it. Um, in 2019, he had actually, he did it a lot. 69, his total stats for four years, 69 returns um for an average of 7.7 yards per re, uh, return which is not terrible and one touchdown two muffed punts he had an 82.1 grade in 2019 19 returns eight yards per return kick return he only did three times 19.7 yards per return and that's about it as far as doing jet sweeps and stuff it really just didn't happen he's done six in his entire career zero in 2020 so it's not impossible um, he did do it again twice in 2019. He had a 77 overall grade. He got 50 yards on those two attempts and one touchdown. So I'm guessing the Packers saw that and thought maybe we could try that once in a while, but he didn't do it a ton. Let's go back to 2019. I want to get a look at what exactly happened here. If we look at his snap by position, no, I want rushing direction. There we go. So the two attempts were reverses. So his reverse to the left which is starting on the right side and reversing to the other side of the field. 21 yards. He got a first down, obviously, 10-plus yard carry, obviously. Uh, da, 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 da. Anything else interesting? Um, two missed tackles forced. I think he's going to do it a lot, man. I just I think he's built for this. It's just he's built for it. Clemson maybe just doesn't run it a lot. The Packers do. I think he's going to be a great fit being able to run these kinds of things. We haven't even got to his measurables yet, but he did it twice. Once for 21 yards and caused two missed tackles to get to those 21 yards. The other time... The only other attempt was a reverse to the right. So he starts off on the left side of the field, reverses the field to the right side of the field. He got 29 yards and a touchdown. Didn't miss, didn't force any missed tackles, but he ended up getting a touchdown out of it. That's insane. He got 50 total yards on two attempts. 
a 21-yarder and a 29-yarder, caused two missed tackles and got a touchdown. I think he can do it. Also, not interesting if Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback, but if Jordan Love is our quarterback, maybe we want to play with him once in a while. Mari Rodgers, three passing attempts, one completion for eight yards. <laughs> hey, it was in 2020, so he's tried it three times. In 2020, he finally got his first eight-yard completion, so kudos. It's actually only a target three yards down the field. The rest was yards after the catch. But you know what? I don't want to hear it. My man Amari Rodgers can, can, can sling it, son. I'm so happy. I mean, it's a, it's a fun draft because we can see all these guys playing. Again, I don't know exactly. I, I think our first-round pick may have to fight and scrap a little bit to get on the field, and that's going to upset some people. But he'll get there 100%. There's no question he's going to play. When he plays, I don't know, but he's going to get there, and I think he can be very, very good. We just have to be patient, which I know the fan base isn't famous for. Josh Myers, like everybody said, I think is a day one starter, and I think Amari Rogers day one. And and I think if he can be, if he can be what what I think he can be, which is just a great compliment and just a, a way to really round out this offense, and a, and a great just one two punch with Devontae and Amari Rogers. I mean, just this offense, man. It makes you sick to think Rodgers might force his way out, but if he comes back, I don't know how you stop this team. If he doesn't, I mean, Jordan Love is coming into just a, an unbelievably incredible situation. Um, looking at Amari Rodgers on PFF, uh, he had a, actually a really high grade at the Senior Bowl, uh, 4.5 overall grade, eight receptions, four touchdowns with one drop. So um, on 14 plays, he caught eight passes and got four touchdowns. So that's kind of cool. They did have him ranked 154th, so once again, they're a lot lower on our guy than everybody else. And I told you the grades. The grades were not super stellar. They had higher grades on other guys that were available. But I think as far as scheme fit and what what we can do with the guy, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, something that's going to make you a little bit upset, and I already saw a Boss on Twitter saying, please don't do to him what you did to Ty Montgomery. His NFL comp via PFF is Ty Montgomery. Biggest strength is contact balance, which is a lot of fun. That's how you get to be a yards after the catch guy. It kind of reminds me of Aaron Jones, where the guy just doesn't go down. Like he doesn't, he just keeps moving. He there's a lot of contact. It looks like he's tackled and he just keeps running. So contact balance is a lot of fun to watch a guy. Um, biggest weakness, he says, separation underneath. So I don't know. We'll see how that goes. If we look at uh, strengths and weaknesses, consistent tackle breaker after the catch, very strong lower half. Good straight line speed can be a vertical threat from the slot, adjusts well to off-target passes, and has shown consistent good hands throughout his career. Negatives, not particularly good separator on underneath and intermediate routes. Limited length with a few wins at the catch point, which I told you the 50-50 thing was not his strength. Stout build, but doesn't use it to his advantage to get open, which can be taught, to be fair. Pigeonholed into the slot in the NFL, which I don't think is going to be a problem. And, and we'll put him outside once in a while. We'll put him probably in the backfield. We'll do all kinds of stuff with him. But yeah, he'll primarily be a slot guy, and I don't think that's going to be necessarily a problem. Uh, the overall uh, comment they have here, Rodgers might be the best candidate in the class to switch to running back. Oh, don't start. His skill set is far rarer than that in the slot. And again, I think that's something fun. I and mean, we could do that. We did that with Randall Cobb a lot, and it had a lot of success. And there's so much fun that we can do considering we have running backs that can go out to wide receiver and wide receivers that can go back into running back. We also have a running back that could be a fullback. So <laughs> I, I, I really wouldn't be surprised. Are they going to switch him? No, they're, I don't. I, 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 no, they're not. They like him a lot as a wide receiver. But, but can he line up in the backfield once in a while for, for some fun, dynamic stuff? That's the other thing that's, I don't want to say good because it's going to be horrible, but the fun thing about if we did move on with Jordan Love is you have no idea what this offense is going to be, and the amount of fun things that we can do is just through the roof. Because when Aaron Rodgers is there, you you always put the ball in his hand because he's the best player on your team. If he's not there, you you just pull out your bag of tricks and you do all kinds of crazy stuff. Again, it's not ideal, but it's going to be fun. 
Um, the overall thing that PFF said, without T. Higgins and Justin Ross this season, Rodgers took a massive step forward. Another important thing when you saw his massive leap in not just yardage, but his grades and whatnot. Uh, he took a massive step forward for the Tigers. His role changed from almost an, an entirely underneath guy early in his career to somewhat seeing more downfield targets this past season. Still, Rodgers is firmly a slot receiver at the NFL la- level. Teams may even see him as a possible running back um, with his size of 5'10", 210. The natural running ability, 17 broken tackles and 77 catches this year. As purely a receiver, he hasn't shown enough as a separator to be uh, coveted as a number one or number two in your offense. To be fair, he will be a slot and a number two. Um, as far as his measurables, actually nothing very impressive at all outside of his bench. His three cone was 19th percentile at 712. 40-yard dash, 451 is 42nd percentile, which is about Devontae speed. 10-yard split was 165, which is 6th percentile. Uh, his short shuttle, 436, was 22nd percentile. Vertical jump, 33-inch, 18th percentile. Um, and then his broad jump, 46th percentile. And here's the thing. And again, you can always put a positive spin on everything negative. Why did he even make it as far as he did? It's probably the measurables, to be completely honest. I mean, if, if he was expected to be for a long time like a mid-second-round prospect, the question was, would he make it to the Packers in the second round? If he did, he'd be a great candidate. I haven't really heard his name since he talked about wanting to be on the Packers, at which point, again, I don't know if he was going to make it to the Packers. But he slipped to uh, being a third-round prospect, and, and by some people's estimation, let's see what the consensus was. So consensus was still 77, so a lot of people saw him as a second- or third-round prospect. But he still started to fall, right? He went from being, like, I don't know, 55th overall to 77th. Looks like, actually, as far as consensus, his highest was 69th, and then he started to drop off again. Again, probably around the, it was, you know, around the time of his pro day. So that kind of, you know, and again, the Packers are always film-based. And I know they love RAS and all that stuff, but according to Brian Gutekunst, the, the pro day type stuff doesn't matter all that much. I mean, it, it can impress you. But they really focus on film, and they watched him play at, at Clemson and said, this guy does the things that we want a wide receiver to do. So if he doesn't run all that well at the pro day, that drops him down the boards. But for the Packers, they're looking at it saying, he, he can do what we need him to do, and that's that. So anyways, i got to get going. Uh, again, got a kind of a decent-sized episode today, I guess. But i uh, got a lot of stuff to do, and then I will come home and fire it up. I'll probably be a little bit late because uh, the draft starts at 11 Central Time. The football thing starts at 9. I don't know. Maybe I'll get back in time. Uh, be around and, and hopefully you guys tune in because I'm looking forward to streaming that and doing one more day of the draft. Find out who the rest of the Green Bay Packers are going to be. Some good more. Some, there's going to be at least one or two more contributors in this draft class. You can feel it. But you guys have yourselves a great day. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye bye.